Hey, you're listening to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This week, episode 10 of season 3, Home, Rick and his psychosis continues unabated, complete with visions of Sarah Wayne Callies, who actually appears this time, and we get an extremely violent climax that ends with at least one character dead. But who? Well, you watch the episode, so you know who. But hear us talk about it in just a second. Hey, you're listening to the Sound Outside Walking Dead podcast. I'm Simon Howell, content editor over at soundonsite.org. I'm joined by general editor, Mr. Ricky D. Hello, everybody. And TV editor, Ms. Kate Kulzik. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing? Good. I'm ready to talk some uh, zombies here. Yeah? No, they're walkers. Sorry. You'll never hear the... Biters. Come on, be politically correct. Or biters. <laughs> or whatever you'd We're like to say. We're not saying Not zombies. <laughs> no, it's racist. We should remind our listeners that we do not spoil the series in a sense that we talk about what happened in a comic book because Kate and Simon have never read the comic book. Sometimes we get some angry emails. Everything we say on the podcast is speculation. In fact, I don't even watch the coming, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The preview of next week. Completely avoid the preview. Right. <laughs> that, that's okay. I saw the preview this week and there wasn't much to see. Okay. Uh, so. I don't think anyone will have any any juicy speculation. Uh, unless, of course, me saying there's not much to see counts in, in itself as juicy speculation. We should also warn our listeners that AMC does not pay us to promote the show. So therefore, we do get a little critical at times. Yes, now, this is not The Talking Dead. This is not The Talking Dead. There's already a show called The Talking Dead. They do a good job in talking about how amazing The Walking Dead is. We try to do something a little different. We talk about what we like about the show and what we don't like about the episode. Episode. Episodes. Be um. You know. Be prepared. We could say something negative. There's no need to go to our website and leave hateful comments. Oh, but right. I enjoy uh, the hateful comments. As I prefer the non-hateful ones. But it's always great to hear from you guys. Yes. Even when you're full of rage. <laughs> By the way, one of the things I wanted to mention before we get into Home Too Much is that I, I heard from Bill, who previously got a hold of us, I think it was tweeted me about, because we were complaining about how quickly Lori's pregnancy was and how they didn't seem realistic. Apparently, it is. <laughs> Apparently, you, that can happen, especially under stressful situations to have a, a birth that quickly. So thank you very much for that input before, Bill. And then he also got a hold to say that PTSD can uh, tr can be kind of similar to what we're seeing here. It it will be uh more. It's more likely to come out in moments when when the the person feels overwhelmed, or or is having a particularly you know stressful moment. So thank you very much. I already I already sent him back some um some feedback, and I'd like to hear it back a little bit more about the PTSD. But it appears we have our very own medical correspondent for the Walking Dead's uh, podcast. So thank you very much, Bill. Please keep it well, up. Well, you know Excellent. what, Bill? Uh, before we recorded our Walking Dead episode in which Lori gave birth to Ass Kicker, I asked all my friends who have babies, I'm like, is this possible? And they all said no. So I sort of did my little research. I mean, I didn't go you know, to the hospital and ask a doctor, but I at least asked my friends who actually have babies. Yeah. Well, right. 
But to be fair, none of them had babies under the weight of a zombie holocaust. So, but yeah, it, it, but, but yeah, I don't. He's not, wasn't trying to be particularly critical or anything like that. He was just letting us know and giving us his expertise, and we very much appreciate. Oh that. no, our listeners could be critical of our podcast. I mean, we're critical of the TV show, right? It's only fair. I'm just saying, be mm-hmm. be pleasant about it. Bill's cool, but some other people yeah. like leave hateful remarks, which is not cool. Um, I also want to mention something um, for. Quite a while now on the podcast, I've mentioned or I've I've spoken about the the whole Rick going crazy uh, storyline, and this is not something new. I didn't say it's something new last week. I mean, we've seen Rick see ghosts all the way back in season two. Before he even saw Laurie has a ghost, he was seeing images of Shane, and I said that he's been slowly going crazy and or darker in nature ever since roughly the end of season two when he had a face off against Shane. My problem with last week's episode, I just want to get this out of the way, was the last scene. It just didn't work for me. I didn't like the execution. I felt it was out of tone and out of place for the Walking Dead series. And in my review that I wrote, which is on the website, which I encourage everybody to read, I talked about how The Walking Dead is quite different than, say, any zombie film we are familiar with. You know, you get the zombie movies like the gritty political allegories directed by guys like George A. Romero. And then there's a blood-soaked gore fest directed by guys like Lucio Fucci and Berto Lenzi, you know, especially like when we think back at the Italian horror films of the 70s. And more recently, we've had movies like Shaun of the Dead and Warm Bodies, you know, comedies slash romance, buddy comedies, whatnot. Think about The Walking Dead, and I remember I said this on every single podcast way back in season one, The Walking Dead is really, it really, really feels much like a Western. Like, it takes inspiration from classic Westerns. And so, at the end of The Suicide King, an episode which I really did not like, and everybody knows I hate that episode, I felt that that scene just didn't work. It was the execution. Now, in this episode, we start off with Rick, again, seeing Laurie. He sees images of Laurie, he goes out into the fields and chases Laurie. But I really liked it. I loved it. Because, first of all, there's very little dialogue. It was a nice cameo appearance by, what's her name, Sarah Payne? Sarah Wayne Callies. Sarah Wayne. I always call her Sarah Payne. Nice cameo appearance by her. <laughs> but that's what I liked about it because it was subtle. You know, even the episode Hounded where Rick gets his phone call, it was great because, you know, he's in the room alone talking to Lori over to the broken phone line. And, of course, Herschel eventually walks in. And then we get the reveal at the end that the phone line is broken. And so clearly he's talking to a dead person, right? I really loved the execution in Hounded. I loved the execution in this episode. And completely, they took a completely different approach. I just didn't like the execution at the end of last week's episode because I really felt it. It felt out of tone and out of place with the series. So that's why I had a huge problem with it. So a lot of people were like, you were really negative on last week's show. Well, hell, I love this show. If I didn't love this show, I wouldn't do a podcast. If you didn't love the show, you wouldn't be so critical because you wouldn't care. (laughs) Exactly. And so the thing is, like, not every episode I'm going to love. Uh, you know, I, I would place Suicide King on, on the list of the top three worst episodes of the series so far. The worst by far was season one in which they run into, like, a gang of, uh, of what, what, what was it? It was like some gang of, like, juvenile uh, delinquents. That... No, they were, they were orderlies at a nursing home, right? That, yeah, no, no. Well, and and that actually there's a bit of a connection there because that was our first Latino character was the guy in charge there. And then we had a Latino uh, trio this week. And actually it was it was as much as it was fun uh, to have Merle in that scene spouting off his racist stuff as ever. The handling of those characters felt they felt like actual characters as opposed to now let's introduce a Latino person. 
Uh, so yeah. that was actually something that I thought was handled much better than the previous time we've seen Latino characters on the show. But, but you know, that sequence, that action set piece was amazing. Because one thing I, lo- I liked about this episode, I love this episode, by the way. I thought Home was one of the best episodes yet. And it's because it had two great action set pieces. But the thing about that sequence on the bridge in which Daryl goes to rescue the family who are suspended between like a traffic jam and a herd of zombies is it was fun. But you can tell that they just sort of like shoehorned in that scene because they needed a way to get Daryl back to the camp, right? So they needed Merle to do something god-awful in order for Daryl to come to his senses and be like, hey, I got to return to my friends and my real family. And again, that goes back to the Suicide King because one of my problems with last week's episode was when Daryl reunites with Merle, it was like we have a 10-minute conversation by the road, we argue, and then Daryl and Merle go on their way, which was totally useless because you knew that Daryl would be right back the next week. Yeah, that... That isn't really fixed by this. I mean, they I mean they do get them back, I suppose, but just it it was reminding me of that from last week and the whole contrivance of having them leave just to come back and save and more or less save the day at the end, which was way too predictable. Right. Um, I didn't want or need any of that. Well, and that's the thing. And then people are like all mad at me because I didn't like the Suicide King. But that's a, a, yet another reason why last week's episode wasn't good. They made so many strange decisions last week. And I don't think any of the decisions last week were of any use to the, to moving the, the series forward. And let's talk about the strangest thing they did. And I wrote this in my review and people were like freaking out. They're like, what? Huh? What? Okay. Where was Tyrese? Where was Tyrese and his friends? I can Locked tell up. you where they were. No, no. They left the prison. Remember last week? Again. <laughs> wait, wait. They left? This is why I'm going to talk shit about the Suicide King because I have to defend my, my, my review of last week's episode. In last week's episode at the end, the last sequence, which I really hated, which I've stated many, many times so far already today on today's podcast, they asked uh, Tyrese and his friends, I think it's his sister and his two friends, to leave, right? And Rick starts freaking out when he sees the images of Lori over on the balcony wearing her white dress. They actually left the prison. They have left the prison. They are not at the prison. We never saw that happen, though. No, we, we, uh, it's somewhere in between. Like we see them get escorted away and they're going and they're leaving the place where they were locked up. So, but if, but if we never see them actually leave the prison, we don't know that they have left. Yeah. We don't know if they're just locked up somewhere else. They could just be back in that holding area where they were before. Well, actually, Kate, you see, here's the thing. So I was like, wait a minute, this makes no sense. Because a whole entire episode, there's no mention of Tyrese and his friends. We do not see Tyrese and his friends. And there's this huge shootout that you figure if Tyrese and his friends were present, they would at least they they would at least acknowledge their presence, ask them for help, or we would have some kind of reaction shot of Tyrese and his friends. So I went to the AMC website, and sure enough, they admitted that Tyrese and his friends are no longer at the prison. Yet another reason why the Suicide King last week's episode was terrible. Although, no, that's it, not a fault with the Suicide King. That's a fault with this episode because it, yeah. it's not the Suicide King's episode, that episode's fault that they didn't see it or that it wasn't established. It's perhaps the showrunner's fault or the, the AMC's fault that they decided that they can just not ever tell us that and, and assume that people are going to go to their website to find out information like that. That's the fault of this episode for, for, for when they're having that conversation of we need more people. We shouldn't have let those other guys leave or we should, we shouldn't have sent Tyrese off. That would have done it. 
I disagree because you are the writer and the director of this episode, and you're told that so and so happened in the last episode. You assume they covered their ground. No, no, that's not how writers' rooms work. They, they it's not just uh, you don't know anything that's happening in the episode previous, and that you, or that's not usually how writers' room works. They they establish the beats all together, and so I I don't I, I don't know I don't think it's as cut as dried and, and dried as that. No, I'm I'm with Kate on this one. They there was ample room in the episode the things that they could have moved around to have one scene where somebody explained what happened to tyrese it could they could have taken five seconds and no, you guys didn't. are wrong i'm sorry because the thing is what so you want them to shoehorn in one scene in which they remind the viewers that tyrese and company have left the prison no that should have been established in the last episode at the end of the last episode they could have they could have easily had one shot of tyrese walking out of the prison with his friends they didn't do it that is the fault of the last episode of Suicide King because that came at the end of the Suicide King. It's silly King, but... in both episodes. Why do we have to pin it on one episode? Well, and the, the shoehorn in references to T-Dog, for example, and other people who have died. They don't mention Oscar. And they, they reference other, you know, battles or issues, you know, fights that have come up at the prison. They, there's no reason they couldn't have mentioned it here. It would not have been out of place. I, I don't know. I just I guess I just very much disagree. I wouldn't place blame on a particular episode of that i would place it on the the showrunner who should be keeping track of these things or the continuity editor who should be keeping track of these things let let me ask you a question so there is like a ton of writers on board to write just the walking dead series right at least a tv show so i don't know how how it works like you're like miss tv expert so maybe you can explain this to me so when they shoot the episodes they have already shot these episodes, like I would assume, weeks ago. Yes, they, well, because they need right? to be edited, okay. post-produced. You know, it takes you know, it takes a while. But I believe on on Walking Dead, they have some lead time. On other shows, especially ones that have like a twenty-two episode season, they they you know have it's like a week turnaround, and sometimes they're down to the last minute to get the episode out in time. But I right. don't believe but, that's the but case. But Walking here. Dead has that mid-season break, so you would assume that helps. They them. should already be done filming everything at this point. So when they shot. When they filmed the the Suicide King, right? Did they automatically right away, like the the following week or the following day, start shooting home? No, I, like that's what I, I want to know. Because you see, that's the thing. That's that's why I we don't like I don't know. But like the thing is, it's like if I'm thinking that in the script for the Suicide but you King, you don't know it, what the script. We have no way of knowing what the original script was like. What got cut out for editing? I mean. It's possible that there was a mention in last week that got cut out for time or that in this week for cut out and got cut out for time. Let's just agree it's a fault with these two episodes. Anyway, we've we really got to change the subject. Okay, anyhow, it doesn't matter. The point is we all agree that regardless of what who's to blame, they should have somehow had made it clear that Tyrese and his friends have left the prison, right? Yes. Okay, yes, yes we can agree to that. Now, this episode, I think, was awesome i love the direction i love the score once again by kate's favorite composer bear mccreary yep i love the gore because the special effects are just amazing that whole trunk sequence when he uses the the the, the, what what was it like the what was it the trunk i can't remember anymore i'm like so tired the trunk or the door of the car too it was the door of the trunk but can i actually that was one of the few effects of the show that didn't work for me it's sort of it was like very smashing a watermelon yeah, there was too much watery. Liquid. Come yeah. on, Simon. The whole idea—I mean, they always use watermelons for every single zombie effect. I know, I know, Barbarian Sound Studio and all that, but yeah, I don't know. It did—it it didn't work for me. Speaking of Barbarian Sound Studio, there's a movie that all our listeners should watch and go listen to our sort of cinema 
uh, podcast in which we review Barbarian Sound Studio because you're going to love it. But anyways, back to Walking Dead. But yeah, I, I, th- I really like the script here because there was moments, again, at the beginning where they don't feel the need to use dialogue. And then there's moments when we do get dialogue and it's the dialogue's not bad. And and Carol, I love Carol. Every week I love her more. She's totally badass. I, I love the whole foreshadowing because she tells Axel, like she's like, oh, you know, if they start firing, you could just duck down and get get really low behind like these metal steel plates or the, the shields. The and shields. And then she, she, the shield. she uses Axel as a shield. That was awesome. That was awesome. Sorry. That was fun. Uh, I mean, honestly. The, for foreshadowing, it was fun, but the Axel Carol scenes I actually find kind of annoying because I mean I I like Carol a lot. I think she's a great character, but I it was a very clear signal to me early in the episode, and I even said this to Kate while I was watching it that Axel was doomed, and I almost oh, see, resented how obvious it was. I didn't think that at all because they didn't spend any time trying to get us connected to Oscar before they killed him. So I they didn't spend much time getting us to know more about T Dog when they killed him. So I kind of figured because they were putting any effort into character development there that meant that he was going to actually be sticking around for a little bit. Yeah, no. That no. They, maybe they were addressing their issue of <laughs> these others aren't aren't fleshed out at all. Um, no, 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 no. Yeah. You, know, you know, actually, when, when I, wrote, I wrote this in my review, I'm like, in the comic book, first of all, not a big spoiler because he's already dead, he dies in the same way. Like, it's just spontaneous. Boom! Axel's dead, right? So that was mm-hmm. cool that they sort of followed the comic book in that small little touch. But I wrote in review, I'm like, if you're not familiar with the original source material, you didn't read the comic book, it was clear that he was going to die as soon as he started giving a little bit a little bit of backstory. Because when you're sort of like a secondary character, or not even a secondary at best character, and you start talking about your life, monologues mean you're going to die. <laughs> so I was like, this dude dead. But he ended See, up I, so- I didn't see it coming at all. And I guess maybe it was because I didn't necessarily anticipate... I was very pleasantly surprised, to be wrong, but I didn't anticipate how quickly we were going to have Daryl and Merle back at the prison. And so with with them gone, I figured we were going to need more more development of the people at the prison. I was very glad to be wrong. I'm glad they're not stringing that out. I like how quickly Daryl's like, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and even just the, the character development that we get, you know, we get with that relationship. I love the 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 detail of the tattoo, the tattoos on his back. Um, but that I did not, I did not see it coming with with Axel. So uh, apparently, I'm an idiot, or I haven't seen enough, or I I was just maybe I was just enjoying this new notion of character development and and um, backstory. I, I hate to be Mister Nitpick though, but I. As I did like the Daryl Merle scenes in general, but I really didn't like the way that they executed their the dispatching of their backstory with their abusive father. In the sense that we have them, we have Daryl saying, "Oh, you left," and then literally a second later, he rips the back of his shirt off and exposes the scars, which allows them to talk about it. Which allows them, like, really. Like you couldn't have done been a little more subtle with that. You know, I could be Mr. Nitpick like you, but the thing is, this is the first time we've actually seen Daryl and Merle alone. Like the two of them, not surrounded by the rest of the gang or bullets flying or an angry mob, or an angry mob or an or a herd of walkers. It's the first time we get a real, sincere, honest interaction between those two characters. I love the two actors too, Michael Rooker, Norman Reedus. They do such a good job. Michael Rooker does such a good job in making us hate his character. Norman Reedus does such a good job in making us love his character. 
you want to lose Murrow, you don't want to lose Darrow. I agree, it's it's a little too forced. Uh, my problem with this scene is they decide to take Darrow away from the group last week, so they send them off with Murrow, and we get some nice interactions between the two characters. I thought there was a lot of funny moments, a lot of good dialogue, but then they just decide to put them right back to the prison. So I could have like used a little bit more of Murrow and Darrow on the road, you know, maybe give them a dog on the side, a little bit of interaction <laughs> between the rednecks, you know, some hick talk. That would have been cool. Man, there ain't nothing out here but mosquitoes and ants. Patience, little brother. Sooner or later, squirrel's bound to scurry across your path. Even so, that ain't much food. Yeah, more than nothing. I better luck going to one of them houses we passed back on the turnoff. Is that what your uh, new friends taught you? Hmm? How to loot for booty? Man, we've been out here for hours. We find a stream, try to look for some fish. I think you're just trying to lead me back to the road, man. Get me over to that prison. You got shelter, food, pots pissing. Might not be a bad idea. For you, maybe. Ain't gonna be no damn party for me. Everyone will get used to each other. They're all dead. Makes no difference. How can you be so sure? Right about now, he's probably hosting a housewarming party where he's gonna bury what's left of your pals. Smoke some fish. Come on. I just thought it was a little too... Like, I mean, you just, like, sent them off away, separated them from the group, and now you're putting them right back and it's like you said, Simon, it was so, like, you, you could see it coming from, like, a mile away. You knew Daryl was going to show up and save the day type thing. Yeah, and I think that was, like, as much as the action climax was so needed, um, and I thought it was generally well executed, it was undercut for me by the fact that, af especially after Axel died, I didn't feel like, I felt like that was the, the that was the release of violence for the sequence and everyone else was going to be saved, which they were. Uh, and especially because, okay, I'm waiting for the Dixons to show up and save the day, which they do. Well, Kate, do you think that Merle could be redeemed? Yeah, I think that, I don't think he's necessarily redeemed. I don't know that the show has any interest in redeeming him, but I think they're doing the baby steps necessary to get us to accept him staying as part of the group or getting us to a point where the audience won't won't immediately rebel against the notion that he that they're going to let him stay at the prison and i think that's important um i think I, i'm i completely disagree ricky about uh having having the dixon show for a couple weeks I, I felt like this was learning from the mistake of the of extending the hunt for sophia so long this was you know, it makes it makes daryl far more intelligent and self-aware to have him so quickly realize that this was a terrible idea that he doesn't know this guy anything was anybody else ecstatic to hear somebody actually say you know what you cut your own hand off we came back yes. for you that's not our fault that is your fault no yeah that's what i but, dumbass. But that's what i that's what i mean like the dialogue between those two characters was some of the best dialogue we've seen in the season so far and i'm not i'm not saying i want to see merle and dixon on the road for like a few weeks i'm saying like at least one more episode they could have stretched that to one more episode they didn't necessarily need Merle and Daryl to save the day at the last minute. They could have found another way to do it, like you know. But um, 
speaking of babies, that baby is one hell of a quiet baby. Like they should get they should get her look like they should take her to a doctor. There might be something wrong with her, you know, check out her mm-hmm. lungs cuz usually babies cry check a lot. Check out the pulse. Yeah. <laughs> check out the pulse. <laughs> <laughs> might be a good idea I, it would be an excellent twist if after a few episodes they just realize they haven't been checking the pulse and it's just dead and now it's a walker walker baby uh, that that's at least where i'd go with it but no that's teeth. why i'm not in the walking dead writers room right. what now no teeth yeah a walker with no teeth yeah they could just keep it around theoretically because it's not like it's gonna grow uh, now here's see this is why we should be writing for the show but um <laughs> i wouldn't want to watch that so we shouldn't <laughs> So, did anybody like any part of anything Andrea was involved in this week? Hell no. I actually wrote okay. in review, Andrea doesn't have much to do in this episode, but I don't think anyone is complaining. <laughs> so I, I actually liked the stuff, the first scene with her and the governor, but as soon as, I, and I thought that made sense for her, if it fit for her character, and um, it, it sort of made sense to me. For her to still be at the prison a little bit, or sorry, at the at Woodbury a little bit longer after that scene. But as soon as she can't find the governor, and um, I'm sorry, his henchman whose name I can't remember at the top of my head, um, Milton. Uh, no, the the guy who he went off to shoot at them with Martinez. Oh right, Martinez. Yeah. yeah. As soon as she can't find those two, the fact that she doesn't immediately go, oh, he's he's bullshitting me, he's lying, you know, that that she doesn't immediately see through him is incredibly frustrating and at this point I, does anybody here care about the governor well actually Kate, no. i'm gonna ask you a very specific answer to a very specific question who the hell cares about the governor <laughs> like no actually, yeah at this point it, it's kind of distressing that the three people <laughs> i really don't care about on this show are the governor andrea and rick but you, you know <laughs> what you know what though i i i mean I kind of was joking around in my review, but now that I reflect on it, I actually do think I'm right. I think Andrew's best piece of dialogue was that I'm going to ask you a very specific question. I want a very specific answer to my very specific question. I'm like, I'm, and this is the thing, again, going back to last week, and especially the review I wrote, because a lot of people were angry with my quote unquote negative remarks. But I have a problem with the show and the way to develop their female leads. Because, you know, first of all, let's remember that everybody hated Lori, right? And Carol I, I didn't hate Lori. Well most most people did. You're, you're I didn't hate Carol either. I've been on the Carol bandwagon for well, a while. Hold on a second, hold on a second. You're one of twelve million people that didn't hate Lori, okay? As far okay, as Carol as far as Carol goes, everybody <laughs> loves Carol in season three, no doubt. But back in season two, people were frustrated with Carol. They didn't like the way they were the, the writers were tackling her situation, the way they wrote her character. Now, we're in season three, we get Michelle and everyone's excited, and then you know, for the past few episodes, people have been frustrated with Michonne because she hasn't talked when she should be talking. You know what I mean? Like, to help herself out, to help, you know, Andrea out, to help anybody out. And then you get Andrea, who's a total mess. Everybody's frustrated with Andrea. And now I'm kind of a little worried with Maggie and what they're doing with Maggie. So my, my frustration with the show, when it comes to the women in the show, is I don't necessarily like the way the writers are writing these women. Carol, thank God, they're, they're, they're giving her a lot to do. She's growing as a character. We see a lot of character development. Andrew's a complete mess. You're right, Kate, because, like, seriously, wouldn't she at least be curious to know how her friends are doing, like, to know if they're okay? Wouldn't she at least want to, like, right away reach out to, I don't know, Carol, for starters, or Carl or anyone? I just, I just, I need a more believable motive for her to be so okay with staying at, at, for, with her decision to stay at Woodbury and just believe everything that the governor is saying, it just doesn't 
ring true. It would be one thing if we got the sense that she doesn't buy into the government, that she sees through him, but she is staying at Woodbury out of a sense of obligation to everybody else who's there, that she's established ties with the rest of the community. That would be one thing. I could accept that more, but because she still is so completely tied into this character who, at least for me, has become really a failure. At this point, I guess he could be an interesting character or an interesting part of the show in solely a mustache-twirling villain kind of way, I guess. But I, th I think really from season three all through now, the governor has been a misstep. The execution, the the writing, the performance, as much as I like that actor quite a bit, even Morrissey, but um, the, the, really the execution has been a problem. So if it was just her sense of obligation to Woodbury as a whole and not this sort of strange connection to the governor, I would be much more okay with that. Um, I, if you guys, I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but also I want to yeah. show Rick, what's your problem with Maggie's direction right now? Okay, I don't have a problem with Maggie's direction. What I said was I'm worried about Maggie's direction. Um, okay, but why? What makes well, you Well, because of the history of the show and what they do with their female characters. I mean, okay. like, like in my reviews, I always say that a lot of times the characters feel out of character. Like it doesn't feel like their actions don't seem realistic based on the characters created for this specific universe and andrea is a perfect example because in season two she was like miss badass she was like wanting to grab the gun and take charge she didn't want to take orders from rick she wanted to actually leave the group like i just i don't like the the idea of her of every single decision to be shaped around her attraction to the governor and again like i wrote this in my review maybe i'm just a feminist at heart but I don't think that's interesting. I don't think Andrew's interesting this season. My problem with Maggie, I don't have a problem with Maggie. I'm just worried about Maggie because right now Maggie and Glenn, who are two of my favorite characters, there's a lot of tension between those two characters. And I'm not entirely happy with like when they write in little scenes like Maggie instead of like doing her job and I don't know, being out on the lookout or helping when they need help because there could be an attack on the way. She's like lying in her bed crying. I mean, I know she's upset. I know like she got, you know, she, sex. Wait, she wait, hold on. just almost got raped. Of course she needs to was, cope and I have was, a moment to herself. I was just going to say that. I know she just got sexually attacked and so she needs to cope. But the thing is, it's like. I just like what I'm confused about is in the last episode, she was the one going back to the camp whereas Glenn stayed behind because he couldn't walk and she was like side by side with Rick fighting the governor's men and and then to the point where and because the thing is I talked about that my brother just had his birthday party and I thought I was really negative in The Walking Dead and his friends are even more negative and one of his friends was like yeah I don't get it because you know like in the last episode Maggie actually shoots an innocent girl like you have all these people you can aim at she clearly knows how to aim a gun and she shoots this innocent girl in the village instead of shooting someone like i don't know like the governor and i was like i don't you know what it's true i have to go back and watch an episode because maggie did shoot an innocent girl and then and in this episode she's like dealing with her like um almost near rape experience but it, it, it was just like it was kind of weird it was it was like i don't know see but i that made sense to me because there wasn't an imminent threat when when she went back in to help get daryl that was an immediate threat. And this week, as soon as there's gunfire, as soon as it's not, you know what, this today, somebody else can go on round. Somebody else can patrol because I need this time. As soon as it was an immediate threat, she was right back out there. So I thought that actually worked and, and, and made sense. Well, again, like I said, I didn't have a problem with Maggie. You were just trying to get something out of me. So I was trying to give you some kind of excuse. 
why well no well no but it also i mean i can i was wasn't sure if you were mostly concerned just on the show's history or on something that you were seeing this week so a combination of those two i see absolutely where you're coming from because they have sort of bungled several of these these female characters but i would i've i've I know I've been alone for much of the series run, but I've been a big fan of Carol most of the series run. I've been more okay with Lori than a lot of people for the series run. So I think that Carol's been a character they've actually done pretty well with. I think that um, they did... They're off and on with Andrea, but they've done a good job with Maggie so far. I think even um, Beth... Ha I remembered her name this week. Oh, wow. I think they've done good with Beth this past uh, year or season or so. So I do think that there are some female characters that have been more uh interestingly or more uh competently handled i guess well my my concern is based on the history of the show and as for the the character of beth i was like i i mean i bet i bet like one out of every hundred viewers of the walking dead if not one out of every thousand viewers of the walking dead like know her name like you know what i mean like like again i was at my brother's party they're all like huge walking dead fans they they read the book they watch the show and nobody could remember her name um, and then Michonne, okay, this week, yes, Michonne gets all badass, you know, she gets her samurai sword out, she slices a few zombie heads, she actually does something useful, fantastic, and she actually speaks. She talks to Glenn, she offers him a little bit of uh, of information about the governor, that was great, but I mean, I do have my concerns uh, about the characters, and I think with reason. Uh, you're, Beth is not a character, she's a person on the show <laughs> she's who a, talks sometimes. She's a prop. She's not a character so far. If she died, no one would care. I I would care. Carl would well, care. I mean, Herschel okay. and Maggie would care. Yeah, people on the show would care. Clearly, Herschel would care, but she's not a she's not a character. What are her characteristics other than being young and possibly kind of fragile? I think she's actually that stronger than than she may appear, just based on the fact that you know she's survived and not had a psychotic break or anything after all everything she's witnessed but i think uh she provides an important sort of uh sort of a happy tone to at least her scenes she still seems to have some level of hope and there she gives a sense of family that in a way that i think that if she wasn't there we would not get anymore between herschel and maggie because maggie at this point is really broken down and herschel has lost so much and I think having her, she she gives a sense of somebody who maybe still kind of needs some protection. So she brings that out in the other people. I feel like if she wasn't there and you you couldn't have, I know it's been a while since the scene happened, but you couldn't have a scene around a campfire where you're singing or where you're talking about your life before. I think she provides an important emotional bond and connection for some so of the she's, characters. So she's not, but she's still not a character. She is a functionary. She think, serves. She she serves a function within within the group, but she's not really a, a person in and of herself. She's not been particularly well developed. We do, we know very little about her. We all, she's not been developed. The only thing at all. We, but we do know st- some things about her based on the way that she reacts and and her decisions that she makes. She doesn't talk. We don't. We haven't had a scene of a lot of scenes of her talking or anything. <laughs> she doesn't talk. But well, but also Michonne hasn't been talking, and we've learned very little about her while she's been not talking. I feel like we've been learning stuff about Beth while she's not talking. No, no. But every first of all, everyone's had a problem with Michonne not talking to such an extreme. Uh, you know, like it's just too extreme. Like she doesn't talk at all sometimes when she should be talking. But Beth, I mean, let's face it. She's 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 basically there to take care of the baby. That that's why they have her character around. As long as that baby's alive, she's alive. She better be careful with that baby. If she drops the baby, 
they're gonna drop her. She's dead, guaranteed. But but they also want to have a potential, you know, love interest for Carl. I think they think they want to keep that option open. The kid's like twelve. <laughs> I understand. That's why they're not doing anything with it now. But I think they want to have that something, some option there. It gives them other things that they can do with Carl because otherwise, you really quickly run out of stuff to do with Carl too. I- Honestly, I think they all need to broaden their horizons a bit and think about checking up with some zombies. It's not like there's any shortage of them. You can take their teeth out. You can probably <laughs> love. them. Well, if they wanted to repopulate, they can also just, like, wait, like, I don't know, a few years, and then Carl could just have sex with his sister, and they could have children, and then start a whole new Grimes family. It'd be like Adam No, and this Eve. is an HBO. There will be incest. Uh, okay, so last week, and I believe I hinted at this in... See, at the beginning of season three, um, I was talking about Rick Grimes and the reason why Rick is slowly going crazy and he's seeing ghosts and talking to ghosts. And again, this is speculation. I know Kate thinks I'm on crack, but I pitched I pitched three theories on my review in last uh, of last week's The Suicide King. And one theory was just the basic, well, Rick's under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, a lot of tapping stems, has taken dramatic effect on his well-being, and he's slowly breaking down mentally, right? Fine. Mm-hmm. The second theory is that everyone is infected with this virus, which, you know, so once you die, you do come back to life, you become a walker. But who's to say that the virus can't give you some sort of side effects? So I was thinking that maybe perhaps, you know, some people will have side effects and it'll make them slowly start losing their mind. And that's a stretch. And you think I'm giving the show too much credit, as you said last week, Kate. Fine. The third theory was that perhaps the, the, the showrunners or the writers are planning to incorporate some mystical meaning behind it all. You know, because Rick in this episode, which is another reason why I like the beginning, the start of the episode when Rick is seeing the, uh, Lori's ghost, uh, her, the images of Lori, it's because in this episode, Rick actually admits to Herschel that he knows she doesn't really exist. He knows it's just his imagination. It's, he's hallucinating. But he says that he thinks there's a reason for it. And I think that's still a possibility because the thing about the show is regardless if you like or dislike his character, like the character of Rick Grimes, I know Simon, you hate Rick Grimes. The whole show revolves around Rick Grimes right now. Right. And I think that the show needs purpose. And I think that the character of Rick needs purpose. And the fact that like, I mean, I'm sorry, but hiding out in a prison isn't really much of a life. Like they need a direction, like somewhere to go, a direction. They need something to happen. They can't just be, hiding out in a prison for like two or three more seasons. And so I think that there's still a possibility that they're going to incorporate some kind of mystical meaning behind his visions. Like that is a possibility. Maybe. I mean, I, to be clear, I don't hate Rick. I just no, don't care about it. I don't think it is. No. <laughs> Go ahead, Simon. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't care enough about Rick to hate him. I mean, I just, I, I think he's kind of a cipher of a, of, of a lead character. I don't think he needs purpose. He's got a kid for that. Mo- that's that's good enough for most people in a non-zombie holocausty world. It should be good enough for him in a zombie holocausty world. Simon, I would agree, except that's not actually the case because he's held that baby maybe once, maybe two times. He's held the baby. He doesn't. The even... baby, the baby's been alive for a week. Oh come on, longer than that. But the point is, it's like ever since last week they said a week. Well, Simon, Simon's telling me that having a baby should give him purpose and reason to continue and live on, but it doesn't seem like he even acknowledges the fact that he has a baby. Like he's falling apart. As opposed to right, be- which is why I, which is part of the reason I don't care about Rick. Right. So instead of him being a stronger character, a stronger man, and like fighting harder because he has a baby, he's falling apart. So that whole like, I mean, you're right, Simon, but that's not exactly what's happening in the show right now. And I don't know. 
Maybe I'm being hopeful. Maybe I'm giving the show writers too much credit. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe Rick's just batshit crazy. The question is, how are they going to resolve it then? If he's just batshit crazy, like I'm not a psychologist, but you know, like how, like, are they going to sit him down and have like a, a, an hour long session with him where they talk about his feelings every day? Are they going to give him some kind of medication? Are they going to like strap him down and put him in like a straitjacket? Are they just going to slap him and he's come, he's going to come back into like reality? Maybe he, they, maybe you should be, get uh, hit over the head with a coconut. Well, I think uh, if they can reduce it sorry i'm still stuck on the coconut thing if they can reduce his his stress or i think what's gonna have to happen is somebody else is gonna have to become the leader at least for now whether or not they are officially dubbed that by the rest of the group because he clearly can't handle it right now um i think i I think that that is more likely i was getting some some serious bsg vibes battlestar galactica vibes when we saw rick talking with laurie not only because of bear mccurry's lovely score gorgeous score and um we there's some some similar kind of mood music or music that is evoking a similar sentiment in Battlestar as well as you know visions and things so i was getting a bit of a bsg vibe from that but if the show goes off into i have to lead us somewhere that would be a mistake i think i would love to be wrong but that sounds terrible to me, I think it's more likely that he has, it's important for him to, he knows that he has to work through some stuff and that he's not going to be able to be an effective leader or even really participant in this group until he starts to process and deal with his stuff so that he's not seeing things. Yeah, well, look, I, I'm just throwing out a few theories, like a few possibilities. I'm not saying that either theory is, 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 is right. I mean, they could have, you know, they could have this, this amazing, like, they could brainstorm this amazing plan of where they're going to take Rick's direction. But I, I just feel like because he mentioned to Herschel in this specific episode that there could be meaning or he believes there's meaning behind his, his visions. I think that means something. I don't think they would just put in that dialogue for Rick to say for no reason. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And you know what? Plenty of shows that I really enjoy started out as far more uh, procedural or straightforward. And then, took a left turn if you want to you know twin peaks is a clear example of that um even fringe got you start you thought you knew what it was freak of the week and then it went a completely different crazy direction in season two there's plenty of shows that have done that and done it very well so maybe if that if that is something that they wanted to explore it could be amazing and i would i would love for that to be the case we still don't know how the zombie plagues or the sorry the walkers really started so there's there is it's not a crazy speculation and part of the big fun of doing a podcast like this or just really enjoying and getting into the fandom of watching a show like this week to week is have is being able to speculate of what they could be doing next well and, and you see that's the thing because a lot of people say i give this show too much credit or i'm on crack or i'm crazy to to think that the virus can maybe cause side effects which some people do go crazy but i mean throughout the run of the series we've seen many people go mentally insane we've seen the guy over uh at the um the military CBC. base yeah over at the military base back in the season one we've seen shane go a little nuts we've seen rick go crazy so it is a possibility i mean who knows i mean look this is a show in which people come back to life and feed on the flesh of humans you know so who's to say they can't do something like that it's not like i'm watching like uh, i don't know little house on the prairie right <laughs> there's whole subtext there you don't even know they're all dead yeah 
Anyway, we really got to wrap this up. So um... the, the final thing I want to say, uh, Glenn, we haven't really talked about Glenn, but I really liked the performance this week from the actor. And I thought the they're going some really interesting directions with that. And I look forward to seeing that explored more. And also when you said there was that distance between Maggie and Glenn, it seems to me like that seems to be at the end when, when he touches her shoulder and she welcomes the, his hand. That seems like that started, that's already starting to be repaired. So I'm not too concerned about too big of a rift between those two but i wanted to specifically mention that i liked what they did with glenn this week well i want to talk about glenn uh really quickly because the thing is we love his character and this is a situation this glenn is put in a situation where he can actually take charge and become the leader of the group and a lot of people like you know simon just said or i think you just said that it would be interesting to see someone else take charge right so you have this character that everybody loves that you know i mean everybody would be happy to see glenn take charge over Rick, because even even Stephen Young, the actor, like people like him more than they do Andrew Lincoln. But now we're in a situation where they had that opportunity, and Glenn starts falling apart, much like Rick, under pressure, under stress, and he makes a stupid decision to leave the camp, and therefore everyone's in danger, and he gets back only at the end, and he's not there to save the day. And I'm just like, is that what the show needs right now? Because if Rick is so like, like if Rick is falling apart, and you know most people are not very happy with his character and don't really look up to him as a like a hero. And then you have the opportunity to do that with Glenn. Is that a wise decision on the part of the writers? That's my question. And also, you know, this show has some fantastic actors like Norman Reedus, who I mentioned, Melissa McBride, who plays Carol. Fantastic actors. Andrew Lincoln is a good actor. He's not a great actor. And in moments like at the end of Suicide King, when he has that over-the-top, like, freak-out session, he sees Laurie's ghost, it doesn't work. Like, you can tell, like, his acting is, at least in my opinion, I don't think he's a good enough actor to pull off that scene. So that's what kind of worries me about what they're doing with Rick and what direction he's heading in. Because it's like Carl, you know? It's like his range is limited. You know, Carl's good when his hat's down low covering his eyes and you can't really really see his facial expressions. He has very little dialogue. He's just a kid, right? <laughs> it's the same with Andrew Lincoln. Like, he's a good actor, but he's not a great actor. And his range is limited also. So that's something else that I'm worried about too. But all in all, look, I think this show... Sorry. I think this episode was incredibly entertaining uh i think it shows that the walking dead creators know how to do action just as well as they know how to do special effects because they really do create a lot of suspense and build up the tension in some of those action set pieces and that whole like prison attack was fantastic i loved it and so i don't know it brings more hope into the series after a disappointing like mid-season premiere return of last week's the suicide king i think this was a solid effort and uh yeah so i'm i'm happy i'm happy and uh rest in peace axel we barely knew ye literally we barely knew ye uh although we knew ye slightly better than we knew some of the other yees that are now not there uh oh oscar who did not even merit a mention this week anyway uh so we'll be back next week there are six episodes left by the way so there's plenty of walking dead left in the season so uh we will be back and uh, have a nice week and try not to get too mad at us. And uh, if you want to get mad at us, drop us a line at soundonsite.org or on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. I'm at Sucker Howell. Yes, and I'm at Soundonsite on Twitter. But please leave uh, some feedback on our website. Leave comments. We love to know what you guys think. Let us know if we're yes. too negative. Too also, good. ratings and reviews on iTunes are good. Oh, too. my God. Yes. Okay. You know what? No, seriously. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you give us a rating on iTunes, and you you don't have to give us a five star rating, it really, we really, it really, really helps us. Give us a rating on iTunes. We'll read your feedback, your little rating on the show, and you know what? Why not let our listeners choose a zombie movie for us to review? 
uh, when? Well, during the season break. If, uh, if, if like like next season break. Yes, if our listeners no during between season three and season four, if our listeners leave us a rating on iTunes, you can also recommend a, a movie for us to review. Right, we will review a zombie film. We will take all the suggestions. We'll put them in a hat and we'll 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 choose one and we'll review that movie just like the way we reviewed The Walking Dead and Dawn of the Dead. So please give us a rating on iTunes. You can find the link on our website www.soundonsite.org. Thank you for listening. The whole front of the prison is unsecure. If Walker's just strolled in, then it's going to be cake for a group of armed men. Why are we even so sure he's going to attack? Maybe you scared him off. He had fish tanks full of heads. Walkers and humans. Trophies. He's coming. We should hit him now. What? He won't be expecting it. We'll sneak back in and put a bullet in his head. Not assassins. You know where his apartment is? You and I could end this tonight.